Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. I'm ready to, to uh, do the same thing again. What? It didn't work last time, but I'm going to do it again anyway. Oh, no. Why would you do something that doesn't work to start? Because uh, it, it looks shiny and new. It was, it, okay. Somebody told me it was going to help me. All right. So, uh, cool. It's doing the same thing. Um, called a different name. has AI in the name or something. I don't know. It, it's got to be better, right? even though it does the same thing again. It could be better, but you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist. I like vintage stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the old. All right. How you're, about you're, that? you're sticking uh, vinyl and and uh, I'm talking uh, metaverse music here. That's yep. Different. I'm going with a calculator. You know, like one of those <laughs> Texas instrument, old school, and uh, you're not gonna change my mind. All right. Well, the, the difference between what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, is the calculator actually works. And if, you, <laughs> if you apply it to something, uh, it's gonna solve a problem for you. Um, if you try to make it do something it's not supposed to do, or uh, try to try to apply a technology to something that that uh, you know, you know what? I'm going to ask you one thing, and then we right. introduce our guest because I know, I know. he has he has a lot patiently, of us. like what the hell are these guys do. Yeah, I know it's it's good, it's good, <laughs> it's, it's good energy. So, do you think that the first person that saw the calculator it was presented to? Do you think they double checked the result, or do they trust it right away? Where they like ah. That's a good question. What if it's not right? Right. So, you know, I think yeah. Yeah. where we're going with this is do we welcome technology right away or those things that really matter? And we have plenty of story in the technology world. They they need their time to be accepted. But somebody, somebody got to take that leap, have that vision and bring it on. And today right. we're going to tell that story because, yeah, we're yeah. telling a story, Sean. We are telling the story. It's my favorite time uh, to to dig into technology and and how I know uh, Marco, you, you love the societal aspect of this thing, and uh, together we we line up with the human elements. Uh, typically, the security practitioners and the business leaders trying to build a business that actually does something meaningful, but they need to protect that revenue and the growth that they uh, they create. So let's uh, let's introduce our guest, uh, Aviv Cohen from uh, Pantera. Aviv, thanks for joining us today. Mark, Sean, nice to meet you. Great to be here with you. And uh, it's great to have you on. And and uh, I don't know. I, I said I'd, I'd I'd dig into this at some point. I just want to I want to start with the before we hear who you are. There's a, a row of colorful images behind you, <laughs> and th <laughs> those aren't just something you found at a, at a swap meet. Those are very personal items. What, what's behind us here? Well, uh, we do in Pantera a series of cartoons that are specialized to cybersecurity life, have to do with uh, basically the life of cybersecurity personnel and um, have to do with society. And uh, this is the way for us to actually laugh 
and 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 add some humor um to to the technology products and services that we provide um these are all, all best sellers that are published also in cyberhab and uh the general feedback is just keep them coming so there's nothing like uh, mixing a little bit of humor into the very serious world of cybersecurity technology absolutely and i, I think there's a, a personal element there as well is that correct yeah, it's uh it's a hobby. You know, I draw them, uh, draw them up. Um, actually, work with a few people here in the Pantera team to to validate that the humor goes, and then uh, we get them professionally drawn and publish them. Uh, so far, so good. I think we have about forty of them going in a in a in a rate of one a month. I love it. And the the reason I wanted to start there one is it's it's very appealing uh, in in the background there. Uh, but it's also very personal and, and it tells a story about who Pantera is and who you are in that you're very creative um, and you think things differently than maybe some of the other organizations. So with that, now a little bit about who you are, maybe a, a quick view into how you got into cybersecurity and your path to uh, being part of the Pantera Sec team. Sure, sure. I want to say that you're right about one thing. There are a lot of technologies and a lot of companies that are part of the defense system. And Pantera comes from the hacker's point of view, the advertiser's uh, point of view and mindset. And that's a completely different mindset. There's one thing about defending and, you know, access uh, and even detection and response. The other thing is basically how to break it, how to infiltrate. And these, this very different point of view is in the genes of the, of the company. We do a lot of things different in the company. And, um, and that, that kind of approach is also what, what makes it fun to work here, uh, truly. So uh, myself, um, you know, four lifetimes, I was an aviator. Uh, then a programmer, then a product manager, and now I had uh, marketing for the past five years in Pantera. And um, marketing and product management has been really the main part of my career. Um, I get really excited about changing people's lives with technology. And it just happens to be that, uh, like in the Netflix series, The Last Dance, this seems to be like one of those companies who is really uh, making a dent, making a change, and and growing ultra fast. And, and I'd love to tell you more about why that is happening in the world today. I would love to hear that because it's definitely part of the origin story, which is what we like to call the first their story that we tell with the company. I I know already that there is a really really good passionate story and a call to action why Pantera was created. So I think it's a perfect segue to what you were already starting to tell us. So please tell us the why. So uh, indeed, the, the story is the story of Arik Liberzon, our founder and today our CTO uh, and head of the R&D and product teams. Uh, he was uh, the head of the red team for the Israeli Defense Forces. And he was, um, you know, charted with pen testing or red teaming, all the strategic assets against nation state uh, levels of threats. And it did so with a great number of people, like you do red teaming with ethical hackers and red teamers. But he also had another part of his brain, which was about uh, software 
and he kind of fused the two and just had an aha moment that I can do everything that I'm doing here with people, I can do in software. I can shrink wrap a red team in a box into software and give every enterprise in the world, irrespective of their budget, the power I have here, you know, with this big red team in the army, I can give them that power in software to every business in the world. That's one thing uh, that, you know, had the audacity and the nerve and this huge vision because what happened is that people thought he was joking. I said, can't be, how can you take a, ethical hacker and model him into software it's like how can it be done but he saw like the repetitive task he kind of saw the patterns and the mechanism and the other thing while he was doing these pen testing exercise very large month-long exercises and then showing the results he also understood how the language of the results can be much simplified to decision makers and generals can make big decisions about prioritizing uh, resources. And he invented this visual language to explain to people what, how did the pen testing go? How did the attack vector um, produced? And with these two things, he actually let go of his career, uh, put down the pension that was promised and went on his way. And initially it was a tough way to walk in the desert where people thought it's too big of a, of a vision. It's, it can't happen. So he went about the bootstrap or mostly bootstrap uh, with an, another founder called uh, Arik Fangold and they built the first prototype and guess what? It worked. And fast forward um, about four and a half years uh, from going to market, uh, we're about 600 enterprise customers strong in production in uh, more than 40 countries. We're about 250 uh, people in the company and the growth rate, irrespective of the down economies, continue to be very, very strong. And the reason is that uh, basically his vision was true to the dot, that people do not have any means to test that their security works today against the latest attacks. It's as simple as that. When you go to people, do you know that your security is good and ready against the latest attacks today, all of it? Not the sample, against the latest attacks. And people say, of course not. Like we did the pen test a year ago. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. Um, I have all the things in place. I have a sock. I have uh, you know, I have a firewall, I have all the things in place, I have detection response, but if I'm ready, I hope so. So Aviv, I want to maybe uh, before you continue, maybe touch on one point, because I've been looking at uh, some stuff like business platform models and things like that, where for a lot of the stuff that I've seen, it says if you try to change the behavior of any one entity that's connects to this platform, and I'll say information security is kind of the platform right now. Um, if you're trying to change the behavior of any entity, uh, it's the, the solution may not do as well as it could, may not scale to the point like uh, your, your founder thought it might. So I'm wondering how, how does he look and how does the team look at, how do you look at uh, fitting into how people think about cybersecurity? Do they need to change the way they look at it or... Are you fitting in and just giving them information in a different way? I'm trying to figure out how this connects to both the 
the team that's responsible for the protection, but also the business team that needs to know that the answer to the question, are we protected? Um, Cause it seems like that those two points were very clear to him as he took this first step into, into this journey. So I, I think with the uh, early adopters, uh, people got it right away. But now that we're in the early and late majority stages of the company, indeed, uh, there's some resistance uh, because the, the concept and the product is pretty revolutionary and people need to use their imagination to think about a different reality than the reality that is today. And so a lot of what we get a lot is this, this is too good to be true. But if it works, uh, so we need to, and we do show them that it works. And I think you're right about the fact you open with it with a calculator that when we were kids and we got the first calculator, we tried to see if the calculator would fail and we double checked. I think when Kasparov, the chess master, played against Deep Blue, we didn't know who to bet. Maybe can the computer beat Kasparov or not? Mm, well, it was a tie once and, and then he beat them and then, you know, Today, we know that the, any iPhone can beat any chess master, hands down. No problem. You just put the setting to so many uh, moves ahead, and, and it works. I think people tend to think that a machine would be an inferior to a person, but then um, with time, we discover that it's not the case. It depends on, on the topic. Another good example is uh, is trading. We used to think that traders in the stock market, they can smell the moves of the market. It's all algo trading today. So in the same way of security validation or pen testing, I'm telling you, this is algo pen testing. So initially you would say, ah, sounds like uh, a tall order. But I am telling you, like five years from now, people are going to look back at manual penetration testing and ask themselves, like, what was that really? It's going to be as transformational. I mean, like I said, we have hundreds of customers that are already living this different life. And you say innovation is here, but not equally distributed. But you're right about the fact that it's not, um, for some people, it takes some time and, and explanation till they wrap their hands around a new, a radically new technology. It's uh, it's one of the challenges, and we just need to to walk that walk. Yeah, I think it's uh, as you're talking, it's a little bit psychological, right? It's kind of like self-preserving. Like I, as a human, I I must be the one responsible for all of this. I must be better than a machine, right? And and I'm wondering if. Uh, in the end, I mean, what's your take in the in the vision? on the augmented uh, potentiality of, of the humans that are in the SOC, the human that are in the, in the other uh, industry that are working with artificial intelligence, with machine learning to improve what they do. So, I mean, are we scaring people really to say human out of the picture or are we talking about a better humanity here? So definitely it's, it's uh, an augmenting tool, uh, and, and I'll explain. First of all, you know, there are about 3 million uh, unmanned cybersecurity jobs in the world. Uh, cybersecurity takes a lot of time to master, and just, there are just not enough people. 
uh, automated security validation or automated penetration testing takes away a lot of the mundane stuff, but there's always uh, the part for the human, especially around uh, bespoke application penetration testing, where each case is a bit different. And some exotic scenarios, including physical, including um, uh, social engineering that cannot yet be modeled into software. But that doesn't say that such a power tool can take a whole lot of the heavy lifting and do that part much better. And I think that you can't solve everything with technology. The man in the loop is really important in scoping and deciding um, and looking at the results, etc. But at the same time, I would say that there's a lot for software to be done in this area that is today completely manual. Today, pen testing is done exactly as it was done 10 years ago. And if you think about it, that's that's crazy. So talk to me about uh, the program. So the security program at, at large. So there's a team, different people are responsible for different things. Penetration testing is one part. There's a SOC, there's endpoint management, all these different parts. App dev, sec DevOps, I mean, DevSecOps, whatever you want to call it. How does ASV fit into that? Who, who takes the reins of this technology and solution that you bring? And how does it connect to the other parts of the, of the security program? And then what team uh, rallies around ASV to make sure that it fits in properly? Can you, can you paint that picture for us? Uh, I can try. So I, I think the... Uh, there's two sides to it. Uh, the first side is really, I mean, we're talking about security operations and IT here. The first part is, you know, prevention, detection, response, and recovery if needed, where that is part of the security operations centers responsible of putting the security controls, maintaining them, and operating them, monitoring them, and then uh, when there is an incident, uh, detecting it and responding to it. Uh, let's call it that, um, the critical path. Another practice is actually has to do with risk, risk management and risk reduction. And that part of the house, you can say, it, uh, think about it as when an attack is not happening, you'd like to uh, manage your vulnerabilities, you manage to patch, reduce exposures, uh, you know, fix your security, add additional controls and overall, like I said, reduce your exposure and become better prepared and ready for the attack so you don't need to deal with it. So that is a side of the house that happens in parallel, depending on the size of an organization. In small organizations, it's the same exact team. In big organizations, there's uh, people that are responsible for vulnerabilities, for risk, for red teaming, for pen testing, and have to do with, uh, with that world. And these are the people that also uh, use Pantera very so often. What I'm thinking still is uh, the complexity. Like, I mean, people that will refuse this idea that the machine could do the men's humans, humans job. They always find themselves struggling, though, with all these false positives and all this, you know, external complexity. So... I'm curious to know, once they 
see what they can do once they try that calculator and they see that is actually correct most of the time, all the time. In you know, calculator can be corrected all the time. What what's that aha moment? Like you know, your founder had this aha moment when he thought about it. How is that aha moment of the people that actually say, "Wow, okay, this is actually a really great improvement for what we do." So I definitely think this is an area of show don't tell. Uh, you know, I can speak about it all day long, but until you see it, uh, you see an automated pen testing running on your own environment. Uh, the environment you know, you know it's it's good parts, it's bad bad parts. You can compare it to the latest pen test done, and suddenly you see uh, within an hour or two uh, that all the environment is tested, and possibly you see how an attacker can come in through this window, through this interface, using this password that was found in this shared folder, and get to the crown jewels. And you're saying, you know what? I've learned something new uh, here in these two hours. I realized that what I've seen here in two hours would take two people two weeks. I can understand the value. Uh, the reaction is typically very emotional, where they say, okay, now I see it, now I understand it. In terms of when you have something that's such a leap, you can talk about it, and like, but you're not going to actually understand it until you see it. And I would say, see it in your own environment that you know, not in some lab or any anything like that. You need to see that work. And then everything suddenly changes in the same way with the calculator. You gave the example earlier. After a few, right? After a few calculation and you see, you know, it's, it's the result is good. Suddenly it, it kind of grows on you and the change begins. So let me let me add one thing, Aviv, if I if you may, if I may, uh, you, you mentioned at the beginning, the part of the vision was to actually simplify visually the result. Like I'm I'm assuming is you know the data visualization. So the way that you that the people can see the result. I think you are. I mean, you're doing illustration. You're doing comics. You're definitely a very creative person. So I'm assuming that the easiness of understanding what's come out from the black box, you know, that is not a black box, but it's transparent what it does. I'm assuming that's a big element into that understanding, right? It is a big element, but it starts with the fact that penetration testing is a service that is typically delivered by a third party. So it's something that people come in, they do their thing, I'm not sure exactly what, and they show me where I'm uh, possibly vulnerable. Now we're moving to a do-it-yourself. Okay, so I didn't know I could be a pen tester, but now I press, I set it up and I press play and it runs and I get a report that I can read and suddenly understand and I can explain to my boss, okay, they came through here, they took this password, they applied it here, they privileged escalation here, then they moved because uh, they did a pivot to that other network that is called the HR network. And you see the path and suddenly you're saying, okay, I can do it myself. You know, it's, it's about, I would compare it to Ikea, okay? Um, 
Well, not everyone can put together furniture, but IKEA made it that simple with that manual that initially we, we weren't sure, but then after the first IKEA uh, chair, you feel, okay, that's pretty simple. And I can do it myself. So again, it has to do with the fact that you need to put it in people's hands, both uh, the software and what we're talking about is how it presents its results, how it tells you the story. And suddenly the empowers you say, okay, I understand. Maybe I didn't understand like uh, how adversaries work till today, like O breach, but all of a sudden I can understand, okay, you know, it's just an, a path and how they walked. And now I understand how it can happen. And it actually, uh, you know, takes off that curtain of what is penetration testing and what is hacking. I can see it, I can understand it, and I can definitely defend against it. Because now I understand, okay, all I need is to fix here and here, and they just can't come through. All I need is just to add a few bars on that window and lock this door that was open, and, and, and I can go sleep pretty simply. So and you're I, right. I presume you might even see a common thread across many paths that say if if you did this one thing you might shore up 90 percent of of the environment right this, this is the exposure in many places and if i just did this one thing so a classical example would be um people have golden images where they create an image and they pave quite a few uh computers with that image if that image can be reached with some admin password, then basically, you know, in five seconds, the hacker can own 200 workstations just because they're basically the same mirror with some hard-coded password. Uh, and when we discover that and heal that, you understand the root cause, everything, because you see the entire vector of the story. You understand where you got and what was the root cause. You understand all you need is to fix that and uh, rerun the test, see that that attack vector is gone. It's not a viable attack vector. And uh, it just becomes much, much simpler. Now, I'm trying to figure out how best to present this question. Um, because a manual pen test, you, you have a, a person behind the systems, right, doing whatever they do. Uh, they may, may have had a bad night or a good night the night before, be creative or not, uh, might choose path A over path B for one project and path B over A for another just because, right? So there's, there's some variability there just because there's a human involved. Um, or not, maybe they have the same script and it's, it's uh, the same thing over and over and over and you only go so deep because that's, that's the service level you paid for for your test. So I'm wondering how Pantera perhaps can continue to find deeper paths, multiple paths um, and do it in a way that, that takes it to levels that a human may not in a standard uh, manual test, but perhaps also leveraging some common best practices or common knowledge that says, we know we always have to go here because there's always gold. <laughs> In this in this particular sure. place, so any any thoughts on those two points? So, um, you know, when it comes to the power of the machine versus a human pen tester, you know, um, 
the machine, you know, doesn't need a cigarette break and doesn't need to go to sleep at night, and uh, and is multi-threaded and very very fast. In terms of when you're a hacker, indeed, you need to place your bets, uh, the hours that you have built, and like you know, your experience matters a lot. Different uh, pen testing houses have different qualities, and but at the end of the day, like you said, it depends on the person and varies varies greatly. Now, if you have a corporate, let's say Coca-Cola, has so many affiliates, so many factories, etc. Basically, each one take his neighbor friendly pen tester and tests differently. And the corporate or the enterprise is expected to run a risk governance policy, which is unified. That doesn't kind of fit together very nicely. So aside from the fact that... Um, I want to talk about the two parts. The one part is the machine, and I would compare it to uh, looking before the winter comes if your roof is really, really isolated properly. Because when the winter comes, suddenly between the tiles might be one crack, and then you see the water dripping in your living room. But if you test just a few tiles, well, maybe they're good, but that one tile, that anomaly, is what usually breaks and creates the, the breach. It's not that people, you know, Marriott, for example, that just had the July break with the 20 gigabytes of data. Marriott has great security. There was one point and one user name password. There's, there's only one anomaly. You need to test everything. A person cannot do that. The power of the machine is that it tests all the combinations, all the combinations of malware and attack point and interface and users and data, and it just doesn't get tired. It does it in super speed. And that's the way you can really be sure that everything was tested. Um, I think that's super important to realize that power. Um, it provides a much, much better result. And I feel like, sorry, I, I would like to add to these like the fact that it does it continuously, as you say, it doesn't take the break, but it's also, you can't say, hey, we pen tested a month ago, so we're good. I mean, you got to know where you are now. So the machine keeps on the loop, right? Uh, checking this thing. Yeah, I, I think people often, you know, our customers frequently do a, a test per week. That's, uh, you know, the, the degree because you need some time also to fix in between. Mm -hmm. But really mm -hmm. what dictates is the fact that you have pen testing on demand or on tap. And it has to do with managing change. When things change, you add users, you add networks, you migrate to the cloud, which is a multi-year process, but has a lot of change within. Every change might create a vulnerability and you want to be the first to know and fix it before it's exploited. So a lot of our customers have pen testing on a, just a weekly regular cadence. But when there are changes, that triggers, okay, we've made a change. Let's see, we didn't break anything. So the fact that you have it uh, without dependency on a third party, without additional incremental cost. Say, okay, I've made a change. Press play, test it. We're good. Let's move on in the program. That is really uh, how people use this term of continuous because every, if everything is really fixed, no one is hired, no one is fired, everyone has the same privilege, and you've tested that once, even manually with a good, robust pen test, then maybe you don't need this. But the reality today with work at home, 
VPNs, change cloud, um, zero trust networks is that there is a lot of change in the living organization and very little validation because it depends on third parties and is super expensive. That's the gap. And, and I think that's the gap that allows the fact that so many breaches actually happen. You know, all the people that are breached, you know, even if we take the last six months, Marriott, Shield Healthcare, uh, Flagstar Bank, uh, Shell, Kaseya, AXA, CNA, all of these organizations have great people, great security, great methodology, the latest tools, all of that is there. So what's wrong with the picture? Is it like, uh, I'm telling you, what's wrong in the picture is that there's just not enough testing to make sure that it all works together, is all configured properly against the latest attacks. And if you test it, and this, often it's just a few uh, fixes, you can actually make your tools uh, deliver on their promise and become much more resilient. The fact is that um, after a while of people using the system, what they tell us is that when uh, you know the third-party pen tests still still come in for compliance, occasion on that annual occasion, they just don't find the things they used to find in the past. It's it's really they say they come up empty-handed, and that's exactly how we want it to be. So visibility certainly uh, a key side of the coin. The other is uh, the remediation, and I know you touched briefly on. Uh, helping to prioritize what's important. Um, and I know that a traditional outsource pen test, you get a PDF at the end, right? How, how, do you, how do you convert that PDF into something that's actionable through a JIRA or whatever ticketing system you're using to, to manage your, your things? And, and regardless of how it comes in, if you, if you get it straight from a, from a system or you get it through a PDF that you have to export and transform into something else there, there's still a long list and phone management fatigue is real right um and how far down the list do you get and is that enough so talk to me a little bit about you have the visibility how do you bring that into the environment so the teams can actually work on the most important things at the right time so that the remediation actually takes place uh, all right so, so um again I want to say by all means that a very good thorough pen test by one of the big four firms, et cetera, can come out really, really beneficial and bring in uh, a lot of findings that are really key and need, needs fixing. It could be great. Uh, but the question like you ask is about how do we automate this entire operation and be able to scale it? Because we can't keep putting more and more budget into cybersecurity. It's like, uh, you know, a never ending at one point in time, we need to, to level that investment. And to level that investment, we need automation in all aspects of cybersecurity, not just about testing. So what our more advanced clients tell us is of course, okay, link the entire thing that it's almost, let's call it semi-automated. So threat intelligence comes in, tell you what you need to test. You go about the test. You have the findings. The findings are linked into a service now um, 
or a Q-Radar or a source system like uh, Palo Alto Cortex, and then you have the workflows to actually fix it. I'll give you an example. You discovered that there's a Bob123, there's always a Bob, right? There's a Bob123 password of one admin in one aspect of the cloud, and through that you can get to, to great achievements if, if you're a hacker. And that that uh, password was actually leaked, so that threat is real. Here's the path. All you need to do is just expire that password and change it with something else. Irrespective of the password, could be a machine password or a user password. It needs to be fixed instantly. And so you trigger that workflow and it goes either to the user or to the admin to fix that password instantly. And it's gone. The attack vector is gone with very little work. Now, I agree, some of fixes, if you need to completely change segmentation, require downtime, et cetera, but a lot of the fixes are, hey, close this protocol, change this password, uh, mis close the port, misconfigured firewall, misconfigured endpoint, unupdated, or just a vulnerability or a patch. And all these things can be triggered downstream automatically or semi-automatically. And that's really the vision of the entire industry of how to, to grow and maintain this high security posture and readiness. And you're right about that. It's not enough just to fix this part if you can't get it to the down end uh, ticketing systems and then revalidate and rescore and make sure that this is actually a loop. And we're completely working with our partners and our APIs to make sure that that vision is um, is a reality today, but would continue to be even better and more automated. And um, and that's where the great CTOs of the world, in terms of the companies and the big banks, et cetera, are all aiming at, of how to create this thing that requires so much less people and so much less investment. I love it. And when I... When I'm doing my show, Redefining Cybersecurity, uh, I often ask this question because uh, I'm trying to figure out how to operationalize some aspect of, of the security program. And I'm always trying to see if there's a way to become more, I know we use the word proactive, but uh, a different way to look at how we manage things. And what I'm trying to say is, you can fight and manage a larger list of vulns if you can automate it, but, but it's still a large list of vulns, right? And I'm just wondering, can, do some of your customers or can some of your customers look at what you produce and say, you know, if we just actually built this thing differently, we would cut 50% of the exposure straight out the gates. We're, we're not constantly having to patch that, that Windows machine. We're not constantly having to change the ports every time we deploy a new, a new uh, gold image or whatever. Change the way we actually build the business, change the workflow that runs the business, change the tech stack that's supporting that workflow so that we don't have the exposure in the first place, using the knowledge that they get from your solution to say, here's where that exposure keeps cropping up over and over and over. And we're, we're investing heavily to to close the gaps there, if we just eliminate the gap from the beginning, that, that could help. Yeah, so I, I think in terms of being proactive and, you know, a lot of people talk about shift left, um, 
it's definitely the direction, but we need to remember uh, that these all the vulnerabilities that we're talking about happen because of software, right? New applications need to be developed and need to be developed fast and agile. And so when new applications are developed and new infrastructure is laid out, uh, vulnerabilities will always be there. The thing is about how to to avoid those that are actually exploitable. So you have a certain amount of resources that you can do patching, and you have a certain amount of resources that you can do configuration. But the important thing is, irrespective of, of the pace that you do that, you need to always maintain resilience. So I think is part of it you can't, I, I don't I don't think that it's within reach today that everything that would be laid out will already be resilient to to attacks. But what we need to do is to find a way to balance resources that we have to operate, operational resource of security uh, with with the, uh, with the threats. If we can't say what's the real threat and we have all this busy work, that's the mismatch between resources and the busy work. But if we can actually pinpoint what's a true uh, attack vector path that's proven and just focus on that, it's like one to 3% of what people are dealing with today, including false alarms, et cetera. And actually the resources would fit that, that mission. So I think it's uh, once you take the clutter out, you discover very positively that the gap between resources and the mission kind of shrinks to something that's uh, that can be handled. And that's good enough for our day and age to become so much better. If we can close that gap, it's a tremendous uh, step forward from what most people have today um, in their operations. Very cool. And as Sean uh, always talk about, you know, operationalizing and the business of cybersecurity, I talk about society a lot. And so my typical question is, all right, what's next? So I'm in charge of asking you to put your futuristic predict the future. <laughs> to predict the future. No, and it's I feel like it's easy and I don't I don't want to put you on a spot. But I mean a company like this that has been fighting for the future really to to come in. Right, even when people were not really that accepting it, I'm, I'm wondering what is next when when you already brought the future. You know, there is another future coming that's inevitable. So, what's that? Okay, yeah, definitely. So, you know, before I talk about the future of the defenders, uh, let's talk about the the adversaries. Okay, the attackers. All right. Yes. It, it 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 really pays out to be an attacker today. The ransomware attacks are worsening. They're making a good living. They're putting money into their R and D, and they're inventing more and more tools and automated tools for attack. Right today, you open a website after a few minutes, it attacks because they try and crawl and attack everything without any discrimination. You know, one one place that there's no discrimination is cybersecurity. Everything is attacked all the time. So as, as long as that asymmetry of the battle, and they need to be right only once in order to get in. So as long as, as they're making a good living and money is going on the adversary side, uh, we all, you know, defenders will always be on, on their back foot. If we want to talk about the future, about how we 
balance this equation and how uh, it's it's about machines fighting fighting machines or coping with machines. While they have automated attacks, uh, I think uh, the world made a great advancement in the XDR era, definitely in terms of detection and response that's, uh, that's getting there in order to match up. And I think that when it comes to um, risk identification and, and, and like being proactive, getting to uh, a better posture and removing exposure, that's the part that is, like I said, way, way behind. But uh, if people get that and become, um, stop being easy targets relative to the amount of work that needs to be done, then that industry and, you know, uh, predator prey kind of equation will change. And that's the future we all want to be part of then we create something of a balance. And I would, uh, if you'd like, you're thinking on my feet here, I, I would say that it's it's a good balance that we have with physical security. Generally speaking, if you open a bank, of course there's chances that it will be robbed, but with the current defenses and, and you know, police and everything we have, it's, it's not as frequent as it used to be in the 19th century, okay? Or the early uh, 19th century. So, uh, but in cybersecurity, it's not the case. It's way behind. We need to get to that point, and that point, uh, in that point, in the future, we need to to do these changes. And that's my prediction for the future: that these technologies, irrespective of if if, if it's Pentera or some other companies, would become table uh, table stakes, and help the good guys win the battle or uh, equate the the field. And from that point on, I think cybersecurity would stop being um, what it is today, which is the one of the prime risks for a business. And uh, you know, let's hope for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love it, and I, I love the fact and the year making the comparison with the physical security. Uh, I think that's the big challenge. It's been the big challenge since when I started talking about this industry, Sean, where it's just like you, you, you do close the door, you do close, you know, lock the car and you do all these things, but you, you have fire alarm inside, you know, you minimize the physical risk, but you just can wrap your head around how the cyber risk is, is there and it's part of a business plan. It got to be, Sean, it got to be. Well, I think it goes back to... Uh, the, the vision and the inspiration for Pantera in the beginning, which is it's all about scaling, right? I mean, true. How, 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 how fast can you break multiple windows on a bank or dig tunnels to get into the safe and crack a safe? I, right. You can only do that so fast, right? And yeah. probably one bank at a time, but here in, in the digital realm, uh, Everything is, to Avi's point, uh, automated as an attack as well. So, and the bar is not very high to uh, to get in. So, I think the bar is Bob one two three. That's the bar. Bob <laughs> one two three exactly. So I, I think yeah, what you're doing there, Aviv, is is incredible. And uh, to your point, they're only going to know if they if they give it a shot. 
And uh, so hopefully folks who listen to this recognize what their current pen test uh, program looks like and perhaps what the future might be if, if they uh, call on you and your team of you to, to help them. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully you get some folks to, uh, to connect with you. And in the meantime, as they're, as they're running, as their pen test is automated in the background, they can uh, check out some of the, some of the cartoons that you've developed as well. Definitely. We're always happy to, to partner with people, um, you know, to get security validation and, and give people, you know, the, the, the path to exposure reduction in a consistent manner. I think uh, everyone that have um, been employing uh, our technology is would testify, uh, and a lot of them are actually doing that very vocally, uh, that they're, their lives and operations have been uh, bettered in a, in a great deal. And uh, yeah, I wanted to thank you guys for having me here today. I think we talked about a lot of things from society to revolution and, and, uh, and it all began with a little calculator. That's right. <laughs> yep. That's, so I enjoyed that's it right. greatly. Thank you very much. Oh, I, I truly enjoyed it. You know, and like you said, we, we look at it from different perspective. We had some fun, but, you know, definitely spoke about very, very serious subject and uh, a little reminder that there will be links to Pantera links to connect with you guys uh, in the show notes and uh, I am looking forward to many more stories I want to dig in more in the in the art that you're doing in the human aspect of creativity that that is there that, that we still need even when it's all automated we still need the creativity of the humans absolutely thank you very much Thank you. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.